Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio, Simul Radio, and Simul TV. If you'd like to send me an email, Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And for the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV, channel 21, simultv.com. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is science writer Brian Dunning. He is the author of seven books on scientific skepticism. He is the writer and presenter of the documentary films Here Be Dragons, uh, the website is herebedragonsmovie.com. And Principles of Curiosity, the website is principleofcuriosity.com. He has appeared on numerous radio shows and television documentaries and also hosts the science video series, In Fact, with Brian Dunning. Uh, that website is infactvideo.com. A computer scientist by trade, Brian uses new media to showcase the rewards of science and critical thinking. He is a member of the National Association of Science Writers and lives in Central Oregon with his family. And his website is Skeptoid.com. And Brian, welcome to the X-Zone. Hey, thanks for having me on. Um, what was it that brought you to be the the man behind Skeptoid? You know, you're... <laughs> so, I, you know, I can tell you the same story that you're probably going to hear from everyone who... Uh, does science writing and, and from many people who are uh, actual working research scientists. And that's that when I was a kid, mm -hmm. I loved weird stuff. Um, my whole library was books about Bigfoot and UFOs right. and ghost stories and hauntings, all of that stuff. I just adored it and was obsessed with it. And I believed every word of it fully. And once I got older, went to college and mm -hmm. uh, studied computer science and started, uh, you know, writing for a living, um, I, I, I just began to learn bit by bit that it was solving these mysteries and finding out what's really going on, uh, which was much more interesting than kind of just the, the popular version of these legends. And so when podcasting became a thing around mm -hmm. 2006, um, all of a sudden, here was here was the perfect way to combine all of my interests into one, and um, I was fortunate that uh, my show Skeptoid was was popular from the beginning. Of course, it was easy in those days to be a big fish in a small pond. It'd be a lot harder to start a podcast these days, 
But um, I've been doing it ever since, and I, I just couldn't be happier. Let me ask you this, Brian. You're a scientist. You're a science writer. Yes. Why do people get sucked into conspiracy theories? So that's, I mean, that's the $64 question. Um, and, and there's a lot of research on this question. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of research, basically, uh, most of it started since the mm-hmm. 1990s. Uh, but these days, it's just, it's just a huge field. There's, in fact, journals devoted to conspiracy. Um, conspiracy ideation is kind of the, the common phrase for it. I'd say if you were to ask everyone who studies this, what is kind of the consensus on why people believe conspiracy theories? You're going to get a lot of different answers, but one kind of consensus um, theory or hypothesis, if you will, is that um, this sort of native paranoia um, that's at the root of conspiracy ideation um, is is an evolved trait. And the basic example is the proto-human running across the savanna. You hear a rustling in the grass. Um, some of them were more paranoid and they jumped up a tree thinking it might be a saber-toothed cat and others were more laissez-faire. They said, oh, that's probably nothing. And they walked along and over time, enough of them did get eaten by saber-toothed cats that mm-hmm. they became less less uh, representative in, in the population. And so this bit of native paranoia is a survival trait uh, that, that kept us alive. And it's why animals are natively skittish if you walk up to a wild animal there's this native paranoia is a defense mechanism but now here in the 21st century we're all educated we go to work we go to school we watch the news we run around we 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 exist in the world and interact and we learn how things actually work and we learn that there's not necessarily a malevolent force behind every random event that happens but we all have a different set of experiences through which we filter this native tendency. And so we are all at a different place somewhere along the spectrum right. of consp- tendency toward conspiratorial thinking. But doesn't it click with the conspiracy theory believers that there is next to no, if any, what I would call evidence to support any of these conspiracy theories? Well, yeah, but but if you look and consider at what all of us believe, um, just in our daily life, mm-hmm. how much of it, how much of what we believe is based on evidence? Well, as a I former mean, look at all ple- the different uh, religions in the world that people believe passionately—that's most people's well, most important belief. Now, I'm a former police detective. My evidence was very real. Evidence was part of my job. I sought evidence. Sure. So, evidence to me was very real. Sure. You had to follow more or less a version of the scientific method. Exactly. E- exactly. But when I look, now I've been doing this show nearly 30 years now. Mm-hmm. Thousands of guests. Everyone from an astronaut to physicist to Susie Little Homemaker who decided to become an online psychic. And whatever it is, there's next, when it comes to conspiracy theory, no evidence. The, the, the dots, when, when it doesn't go one, two, three, four, five, in order to make the conspiracy fit, they'll go one, two, three, four, seven, eight, nine. And this sure, to me doesn't make sense. Well, it, it doesn't make sense, but, but no beliefs make sense. That's why we call them beliefs and not mm-hmm. facts or truths. They don't, they're not based on evidence. They're based on 
you know, how we feel, what's what's emotionally appealing to us, what what strikes us as as likely, um, what we were raised with in many cases, what our friends believe. That's where beliefs come from. They don't come from someone sitting down and rationally analyzing the facts. So what, once again, why are conspiracy theories so popular? The shadow government, New World Order, the uh, conspiracy that the government is hiding, the proof that the extraterrestrials are here and have been since 1947, the MJ-12 papers, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, <laughs> and the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of these are complicated subjects, and uh, if you were to ask uh, the average conspiracy theory person on the street, mm -hmm. you know, explain the geopolitical situation in Eastern Europe. They have no idea, right. but they have a conspiracy theory. And because that's a really simple way of embracing and wrapping your arms around a large, complicated idea. You know, if, if you look at one of the most influential conspiracy theory YouTube videos, it was a movie called Zeitgeist from, I don't know, about 10 years ago or so. Mm -hmm. um, this was made by an art student who almost never left his apartment in New York City. And yet he claimed to have, you know, uncovered the way virtually everything in the world actually works and to have discovered, made all of these great geopolitical discoveries that nobody else knew about. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, you're not going to do that from being an art student inside your New York City studio apartment. So that's, that's, that's a great microcosm of how a smart person can come to believe a lot of weird things that aren't true. They're emotionally appealing. Uh, they work for us uh, from a, from a, um, I'd say, a philosophical way, mm -hmm. be because it is a way that um, um, an epist epistemological God, I can't say that word um, perspective. That it's a way for us to know something that we otherwise wouldn't be able to know. So, is it part of a social? click that we're getting into? Is it a place where we feel we belong because there's nowhere else in society where we actually fit in? Well, I mean, it, it can be a club like anything else. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, the All of the JFK uh, conspiracy theorists yeah. worldwide, no matter what their theory is, which can be radically divergent from one another, definitely mutually exclusive, they still consider themselves you know, sort of brothers in arms and, and, and on the same side of this, uh, of this debate, even though they're clearly not, if you look at their theories, yeah. it is very much a club. It's a way to belong to something. All right, Brian. There's a lot of answers to this question. All right, Brian, we've got to take our first break. Please stand by. Explanation, Brian Dunning is our special guest this hour, and his website is skeptoid.com, and we'll both be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the X. Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. By the way, I am, in case you're wondering what I'm wearing tonight, Exonation, you can't see the rest of my shirt, but it's from the Hawaii Volcano National Park, not very far from uh, where we have our home in Maui, Hawaii. This is the Exxon, and we'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. And just a quick programming note, we'd like to welcome two new hosts to the Exxon Broadcast Network, Dan and Angela Clark. They're going to be doing a show once a week that is going to air on the Exxon Broadcast Network and Simul Radio seven days a week. The name of the show is Heart to Heart with Dr. Dan and Sister Ann. And that show, uh, let me see, it starts airing the first week in January 2019. Wow. 
growing all the time. Listen, if you have an idea for a radio show or you're a radio show host and you'd like to uh, see how you can get your show onto the Exxon Broadcast Network where we have, oh, just, you know, we have uh, how many? There's about 130 million listeners. Just give us a call or send us an email. That would be the best part. Exxon at exxonradiotv.com or admin, A-D-M-I-N, at R-E-L dash M-A-R dot com. Ryan Dunning is our special guest, and his website is skeptoid.com. You know, Brian, it's conspiracy theories are, are a dime a dozen these days. And I'll give you an example. Last night I had a guy on the show talking about the hollow earth. And he went into great detail telling me that the hollow earth is where the original uh, Garden of Eden is, that the continent that is down there is uh, 16,000 miles wide. It has its own sun. And he went into great detail. And then I asked him a very simple question. How do you know? Well, I read it in a book. <laughs> Did you ever see any pictures? Well, no. So how do you know what you read in the book is true? And he basically said, well, if it's in a book, why isn't it true? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, so uh, when you hear this kind of logic, and, you know, I've talked to people who believe that they have been followed by the men in black and that extraterrestrials teleport them to a spaceship that is 500 miles long, 300 miles high, that orbits Earth. And the conspiracy theories go on and on and on and on. And, and here we are in the year 2018, going into 2019, with the most sophisticated handheld cameras that are in our cell phones. And still, the elusive proof of the conspiracies never happened. You see, I've got my own little conspiracy theory that the conspiracy is actually being perpetrated by the groups who are claiming that there is a conspiracy, because as long as the conspiracy that they're claiming to be real is in place, they don't have to provide any evidence. That is, that's always been the case and, yeah. and always will be, yeah. So are they like Monday morning, um, Monday afternoon quarterbacks? You know, they know everything about the game after it's been played? Uh, well, I, I, first of all, I, I wouldn't use the word they as if this is an us versus them situation. Well, um, because uh, when you do what I do for a living, one of the things you have mm -hmm. to start with is recognition of the fact that some of the things that I believe are wrong. And that's the case with all of us. Some of the things you believe are wrong. Everyone listening right now mm -hmm. knows some fact that is wrong. And I think we can all agree that that's probably true. Oh, I, I agree. Uh, so let me rephrase it. Um, instead of us versus them, how about those who have our foot, our two feet planted on the ground compared to the others who have their feet on some cloud on some planet that is orbiting another planet in a far distant galaxy. I, <laughs> those people are out there uh -huh. and people who have no strange beliefs and who believe everything that's true are out there as well. Yeah. But I think the vast majority of us are somewhere in the middle and we're all on a journey to improve our knowledge. And sometimes we're going backwards. Yeah. Sometimes we're going the right way, but I think we all, want to believe things that are true we all want to be right about things mm -hmm. 
None of us want to be wrong. None of us want to be misled. But it's just the way the world works. That that's it's it's not simple. It's not easy to do. And there's too many influences sending you in the wrong direction. So, you know, I, I, again, I, I I I hate to say that there are that there are people who are you know we don't use the word nuts or anything like that because there's perfectly good sociology explaining all of these things. It doesn't require mental illness. I like the psychiatry where it's called being nuts. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see that that chapter in the DSM five. Well, I, I I think I should write that chapter after doing the show for thirty years. I look. Look, believe me, I've I've heard it all as yeah. well. I mean, people often ask me, "What's the strangest urban legend or strange belief that you've heard?" And my usual answer for that is, mm -hmm. "There's an alternative medicine treatment out of India where no matter what's wrong with you, they cut open your abdomen, insert the corpse of a dead crow, and sew you back up." And that's going to cure anything that's wrong with you. I mean, it goes on and on yeah. and on, the things that people will believe. Well, let me ask you, what are, your, what are some of your favorite conspiracies? So I, I, I answer that question because with, with you know, the book having come out this year, that's mm -hmm. one of the most popular questions I get. And I try to answer that question with what is my favorite, but why is it my favorite? And the one that I use is the moon landing, um, the, the, the belief that... We didn't actually go to the moon and then mm -hmm. NASA hoaxed it or Stanley Kubrick filmed it or, you know, all the various versions of that. Yeah. And the reason I say that one's my favorite is because while it's easy to go on the Internet and find sort of the, the trivial answers to the specific claims made by the conspiracy theorists, such as, you know, you can see the flag waving, but there's no wind on the moon. Therefore, mm -hmm. it was in a studio and you can see the skeptics answer, well, that's because the flag had wires in it, making it look like it was waving. Okay, fine. You can find that stuff. But there's a lot beyond that mm -hmm. that people don't necessarily know, that we can connect the dots all the way to prove the entire story from humans from Earth, got on a Saturn V, went to the moon, got out, walked around, picked up rocks, brought them back to Earth safely through the atmosphere. The entire story is proven connecting the dots with irrefutable facts that once anyone hears those facts, they go, wow, that's really cool. I didn't know that before. I'm interested and I'd like to learn more. And that's where I think the value of sort of debunking is, is in coming up with the how we know what we know that's really interesting and gets people excited about learning more. Okay. Um, you know, one of the talking about the proof that uh, within the conspiracy theorist land of Oz that is out there is that we didn't go to the moon because the Van Allen belt. And when you listen to the skeptics and verify what they say about the Van Allen belt and how it poses a danger to even present day astronauts that they can't go in a higher orbit than such and such, you know, you, you kind of say, well, geez, that makes sense, too. I'm not saying that we didn't go to the moon, but, you know, when you talk to the people who are hardcore uh, proponents of the lunar missions and the moon, uh, lunar landings, they, they seem to forget about the Van Allen belts when they're telling you this story. So I think that a little bit of the problem is, is that even though the experts who believe and bring the perfect case that it did happen when the skeptics... Or, or the conspiracy theorist 
come up with a little bit of information that is neglected or forgotten by the experts. This just kind of opens up a can of worms. Well, it, it, it would. I mean, yeah. it, I wouldn't say that's a great example because that's certainly one of the cases I'm talking about where it's very easy to go online mm -hmm. and find the explanation of how and why that worked. Sure. Um, you know, the, the Van Allen belts are not the same thickness. We went through a very narrow part of it. We went through it as quickly as we can. And you have to stay in it for a significant amount of time before it becomes dangerous. Now, the astronauts did all receive a high dose of radiation. Mm -hmm. I forget how many, um, how many chest X-ray equivalents. Um, but it was a risk that was well known, that was well understood. We did know how much uh, radiation they'd be exposed to. Right. And everyone who went was still willing to do that. So... I mean, it's not danger-free. Going to the moon, nobody ever argued that it's free of dangers. Mm -hmm. Of course there are some. There's, there's known dangers, and there's unknown dangers. Um, that was one of the known dangers, but it was a manageable risk. So why do you think some conspiracy theories live longer than others? For example, the JFK assassination, the, the conspiracy theory that 9-11 was a black op. The, you know, the JFK, my God, it's past 50 years and, and people are still talking about how this was all part of a government conspiracy, the conspiracy with 9-11. You know, why do they live on? Like, yeah, if, and, if, in if, fact, um, if we're JFK saying, more mm -hmm. than any other, because uh, it's now, I believe it's about two-thirds of, of Americans believe that uh, the Warren Commission report was, was not true. Um, that's not only one mm -hmm. of the most long-lived, but it's um, one of the most widely believed. Um, there, was a, there was a great piece of research that was published, oh, uh, five, six years ago, I'm going to guess. Okay. Uh, I, uh, the author's name I would give if I remembered it off the top of my head. But it was, he'd come up with, um, with an equation to judge the likelihood of any given conspiracy theory. And the variables you plugged into this equation mm -hmm. were things like how long ago did it happen, how many witnesses were there? Um, how many people would have to be silenced to avoid, right. you know, you know, breaking the news? And uh, it was based on a whole series of actual conspiracies through history. How long did it take before they were discovered by law enforcement, the media, whoever? All right, we've got to hold it here. This is a bit of a cliffhanger. I've got to take my news break at the bottom of the hour. Exxon Nation, our guest this hour is Brian Dunning. His website is Skeptoid. Com. And Brian and I will return after this news break as we continue from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. And welcome back, everyone. A couple of programming notes for the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Three new shows coming to the airwaves in January. Witness to the Paranormal, Paranormal Court TV, and Investigations 365. And they'll all be on the Exxon TV channel starting in January. And that is channel number 21 at SimulTV.com. Our guest is Brian Dunning. Skeptoid.com. All right, before we went to the break, uh, we were talking about this formula that, uh, that somebody came up with when it came to conspiracies. And I'm sorry that I had to cut you off, but I do have my heart breaks. Uh, so if you can continue, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Actually, it's perfect that you cut me off because I was able to look it up. So ah. I've got the study in front of me. <laughs> this is from 2016, mm -hmm. uh, published by Grimes. In the title is David Grimes on the Viability of Conspiratorial Beliefs. And it was in PLOS One. 
And so the, the, the equation was created by looking at historical conspiracy theories and how long it took before they unraveled mm -hmm. based on the number of people who had to be silenced and right. a, bunch, a number of other factors. And so I've got right here, um, let me pull it up here. Here's the table of, uh, okay, so for the moon landing hoax, which we were just talking about, mm -hmm. the expected failure time would be 3.68 years. So if we didn't actually go to the moon, it would have been about three and a half years before it became revealed. And really the largest driver of that is the enormous number of people involved. I guess peak NASA employment it has listed as 411,000 people wow. in 1965. Um, we've got a similar, a similar number for climate change fraud. If climate change was in fact a fraud, um, that would unravel in 3.7 years. And of course it's lasted a lot longer than that. And that's based on the number of basically the number of scientists all around the world who who worked on it in some some fashion and it gives it gives a it gives numbers like this for a, a whole list of, mm -hmm. of conspiracy theories so it's it's fascinating research um it's it's more kind of a a fun gimmick um but uh i mean it is based on actual actual conspiracies and actual data that do fit this model that that was put together so it's interesting what are some of the other weird conspiracy theories? I mean, besides going to India and getting a rat put in you to cure all. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's um, so. The, the weirdest one, of course, has got to be uh, David Icke and his oh, reptilian whole narrative that world <laughs> leaders are actually reptilian aliens yeah. wearing electronic disguises. But he was off his meds at that time. <laughs> I, let me tell you a story about David Icke quickly. Uh, yeah. I, I was doing the show from uh, CKTB in St. Catharines before we uh, went on our own and uh, and and did everything in house. And I announced the week before that David Icke was going to be a guest. And I got a call from the Niagara Regional Police saying, Are, "Is David Icke coming on your show?" I said, "Well, yes, he's coming on the show, but he's not going to be in studio." And uh, they said, all right. Um, I said, is there a problem? He, he said, no, well, no, it's not as long as he's not in coming in, because if he's not going to be there, we can't do anything about it. And I figured, well, that's a kind of a strange comment. Uh, so I called up the police station to make sure that this was an actual call, and it was. Uh, during the time when David Icke was on the phone with me, there were two unmarked cars, one in the front of the station and one in the back of the station, because they thought, well, maybe David Icke was going to be actually coming down. And... When you, when, you, when you live this firsthand, you can actually see the danger that these conspiracy theorists are actually putting on society. You know, like, I'm a Canadian. I love, the, I love our queen. I, I'm a good old monarchist from way back when. Uh, you know, and, and to think that people actually believe this guy. You know, it's like, are you out of your tree, for God's sake? And when it comes to proof, well, what proof do they offer? Old VHS tapes <laughs> showing a glitch when you pause the tape. Yeah. Uh, to my mind, that's the only evidence I've ever seen, and it's fairly low-quality evidence. Yeah, you know, exactly. And when you, how about Roswell, New Mexico, the alleged crash going back to 1947? 
Man, mm-hmm. I have heard that story so many times. I think that when I see the bright light come the day where it's my turn to go, I'm going to say, is this Roswell, New Mexico? Because, you know, like so many of the stories are all the same, except they forget one major important fact that shoots the Roswell story down in no time flat. And that is the fact that Jesse Marcel, the base intelligence officer, goes to an alleged crash site that he doesn't know what it is at this time, picks up all this material, puts it in a Jeep, and instead of going right back to the base to maintain the chain of custody and the chain of evidence, what does he do? Well, he drives home, wakes up his wife and kids, and lets them play with the material. <laughs> right then and there, that story is dead. And and it remained dead. I mean, that, that's that's the thing that a lot of people don't know about that, is that that was a non-story until the 1970s. Good old um, Stanton Friedman. Yeah, until Stanton Friedman yeah. basically created the mythology. Um, it And that's the case with so many things that become popular, like, like the Bermuda Triangle, yeah. exact same thing. It's an imaginative author mm-hmm. who literally creates it out of whole cloth. Good old Charles Stan Friedman didn't create it out of whole cloth, yeah. but he certainly guided it. Uh, <laughs> guided yeah. putting together all of these puzzle pieces. And he, and he did a great job. It served him very well, as well as a group of other people who who keep the uh, conspiracy alive. Yeah. Um, in your opinion, what role has the Internet played? And what role is the Internet playing when it comes to uh, the, the, the longevity of these conspiracy theories? I was just having a Twitter debate about someone uh, with somebody about that exact question before we got on. Mm-hmm. Um, I am of the opinion, and I do believe it's a minority opinion in my field. I'm of the opinion that the Internet is not making things worse. And the reason I say that is uh, the, the, the typical claim is that, well, the Internet makes it a lot easier for people to spread, you know, YouTube videos That's full of true. crap yeah. and you know, all of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. However, the Internet also makes good information spread more easily. So I believe the rising tide raises all boats equally. I don't think that it necessarily puts the side of science and reason at any more of a disadvantage than they've already always been at. You see, my, my way of looking at the Internet is that it's the largest septic tank that mankind has ever created because there's more <laughs> crap in it than there is anything else. Because any, That's true. Because well, anybody with $12 can get themselves a website if they know how to design it themselves, a domain name, and then create this this facade, this illusion on how the rest of the world perceives them. And there's no one to monitor, there's no one to vet, there's no one to 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 make sure that these people are who they say they are. And that is to me is a danger. Yeah, but a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, they'd have been writing pulp books that were full of just as much misinformation but that would have had relatively just as much of an impact on the population not really now, like i say they, it's, I, it's a minority opinion i think yeah. most people disagree with me yeah but, but that's that's my my take on that question you know because let's face it during those times where where the books were pulp fiction they didn't have the ability to instantaneously rip people off for hundreds of dollars <laughs> well that's true but i mean Snake oil, look at the name of snake oil mm-hmm. products. It came from the name of an actual snake oil product. Yeah. Um, there have always been people, you know, whether it was uh, P.T. Barnum or, or one of his predecessors um, out there looking to rip people off. Yeah, I, th- I think people are people. I think people always have been people. 
And I think that in every group of people, you've got all kinds of people. Uh, this is just something that I see. I mean, obviously, you have about twice as much experience doing the radio show as I've got doing doing my podcast. Right. But, you know, I am studying one of these urban legends or one of these old stories exhaustively for mm -hmm. one week to put together each show. Um, today, I was reading some journal articles from 1876, uh -huh. scientific journal articles, and they were as full of all kinds of garbage sensationalism that you would never see in a, in a, in a journal article today. It's, it's surprising that you, you can't really, you can't really look at, at the internet today and say, oh, that's so much worse than what media was 50 years ago, 100 Ooh, years I ago. Oh, I disagree with ago. you. I disagree with you. Being a member of the established media, I disagree with you. We didn't, right. have, we didn't have fake news going back even 20 years ago. Everything was vetted. Everything was investigated. Now, because of the Internet and what the Internet is doing to the news media industry, if it don't bleed, it don't lead. And if it don't bleed, that means you're not going to get as many advertisers and listeners because one feeds the other. It's, it's all a matter of money. In, Absolutely. You know, and this is Absolutely. what the Internet has done. It's turned it into, into, if you'll excuse the expression, a horse market out there. Because there is no I, I, credibility. I think I, the horse market has changed. I don't think it's been created or or grown. I mean, look, I, I read, for, for what I do for a living, mm -hmm. I am always reading some old book. Yeah. And maybe it's only from the 1970s or maybe it's from the 1870s. Right. But I am constantly surprised at the low quality of news reporting. News reporting, I mean, the, the further back you go, the yeah. worse and worse All right, it listen, gets we've got to take our final break here. Please stand okay. by. Exo Nation, our guest this hour is Brian Dunning, and his website is Skeptoid.com. And we'll be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Exo Nation, our guest this hour is Brian uh, Dunning. His website is Skeptoid.com. Brian, besides the, um, the conspiracy theory of the lunar landing, what other, what other conspiracy theory, theories have been proven to be true? So that's, well, <laughs> um, that's the most common question. Uh, and in fact, in the early days of talking about the book with the publisher, mm -hmm. um, you know, they wanted... 50 conspiracy theories and they said they thought that was a huge number and they said gee are you, do you think you'll be able to come up with 50 and i said well let me just see and i did an export out of the database of podcast episodes that were in the conspiracy theory category and mm -hmm. had over 200 so we had to whittle it down and that's one of the first questions they asked me and i said we've got to have a section in the book specifically about conspiracy theories that have been true proven true and so uh, looking in the table of contents here, there are one, two, three, four, five, six. There's six chapters in the, in the book. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to give you one of them. Um, and if you want to hear the others, you've you got to read the book. So the one I'm going to give you is numbers stations. Now, you're in radio. You must know about numbers stations. Yeah. But the, the, basic, the basic plot is that uh, particularly during the Cold War, and still today, although to a much lesser degree today, if you took a shortwave radio, which is a type of radio that can broadcast and receive pretty much all around the world in ideal conditions, if you took a shortwave radio and you tuned it to a certain station at a certain time of day, you would hear 
a predictable program that was going to come on. It might start with some little tune, some little bit of music, and then there would be an automated voice reading off strings of numbers five at a time. It would repeat each string once, and it would go on the next string of five numbers. And it might do this for several minutes. It might do this for several hours. Hmm. So the conspiracy theory, sort of the, the tinfoil hat version, was, oh, this is government sending instructions to spies. While the more level-headed people, those of us like myself, who tend too much, too much towards cynicism in our zealousness to be, uh, to be uh, more scientific and grounded, we said, no, it's going to be something prosaic. It's going to be something like, you know, maybe it's oceanographic research buoys transmitting their data or something like that. Then what happened a few days after 9-11, which nobody noticed because the newspapers were full of other news right after 9-11, is a senior Pentagon official was arrested inside the Pentagon at the State Department for espionage. And she was arrested for listening to a numbers station that was being broadcast out of Cuba, typing the numbers into her laptop computer that had a decryption program, and it was giving her her instructions to perform espionage for Cuba. She was part of a spy ring called the WASP Network, um, and a number of other people were later arrested from the WASP Network. And since then, there's been quite a few arrests throughout Europe uh, from various espionage agencies um, listening to different number stations being broadcast from different places in the world. And so it turned out that the conspiracy theorists, the tinfoil hat version, right. was exactly right in this case. And I love that case. So how do, how do people who are getting involved because of the, the excitement, the adrenaline rush that conspiracy theories bring them that puts them into their own little social... Uh, network of people who are like them that don't fit in anywhere else in society. Um, how do they differentiate between what is real and what isn't? Well, I think the same way that you and I do. Like I said, you and I are wrong about some of the things we believe. We don't know what those are because from where we're sitting, we can't see them. Mm -hmm. I, I often say you can't see your own eyeball. We don't know which of our beliefs are wrong. They don't know which of their beliefs are wrong. It's, it's really, it's, it's, it's a human behavior. It's not a conspiracy theorist behavior. So what is a conspiracy theorist behavior then? So, I mean, we, we, we have the term, obviously, and the term describes um, definition of a conspiracy theory. That's another big question that there's all kinds of different answers for. Um, it's somebody who believes, whose pattern matching is in overdrive, and they believe that there is a malevolent, purposeful force behind some everyday um, event or news story or something. I mean, that's basically what it is. And that's pretty vague, but it's necessarily vague because conspiracy theories are all over the map. So what pushes a person into that direction? Well, so you've got your native paranoia. You've got, um, okay, here's, here's an interesting way to answer that. Okay. There's a lot of surveys, um, particularly in the last 10 years, a lot of surveys have been done um, trying to assess people's tendency toward conspiracy theories and trying to match these up to demographics. And you'll often hear, like, conservatives will also say, oh, liberals are all conservative conspiracy theorists. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, Bernie Bro and the Koch brothers are behind all the evil in the world. 
And then liberals will always say, oh, it's the conservatives that are all the conspiracy theorists with, uh, you know, George Soros is behind everything. Um, and what it turns out to be the case is that there is no, no match at all between a political belief and your tendency toward conspiratorial thinking. It's equal ac across genders, across um, age groups, across socioeconomic statuses, which is very surprising. It's something that generally, generally affects the whole population. Anyone can be more of a conspiracy theorist than anyone else. It's only when you come down to a particular conspiracy theory, it's where you can say, oh, people who are rich tend to believe this, or people who are uh, con conservative tend to believe this. And that's the case with most of the obvious ones. We can, you know, we can pretty easily mm -hmm. assign most obvious conspiracy theories to, you know, a particular political group that that might that it might appeal to. In your opinion, what is I mean besides the JFK assassination and the uh, the nine eleven conspiracy theories? In your opinion, what is the most popular conspiracy theory? And of course, we're not even going to include the lunar landing on that it's it's big pharma uh, big food uh, the food companies all conspire to make us obese yeah. the pharmaceutical companies all hide the pure wonderful natural cure for cancer it they make money by keeping us sick um, those are very prominent prominently featured in, in in my book and they're very commonly believed why would somebody believe that like I, I, I know, I know many people who are in the medical research field, and mm -hmm. these people bust their butts off night and day, working on cures or trying to get people to walk again after spinal injuries and so on. Yeah. And and you know to actually hear people think that just because they're getting fat because they're lazy because they're eating the wrong foods it's a conspiracy. Uh, this is where I think a lot of people should get back on their meds, whether they believe <laughs> in the conspiracy theory that Big Pharma is out to get them. Like, there seems to be a lack of common sense in the world today. Yeah, certainly. Um, the basic answer is that magically easy solutions to complicated problems are attractive, and everybody wants mm -hmm. them. Um, if you can tell people that there is a pill to cure all of your diseases or a superfood that you can eat that will magically make you skinny, uh, but the the reason you don't have it is that the, you know, the the machinations sure. of the society and industry are all conspiring to suppress it from you. That's something that's deeply compelling and attractive, and we all want it to be true. And so we all seek out information mm -hmm. that confirms that. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Why, in your opinion, is the UFO conspiracy cover-up so popular? Um, you know, I'm not sure that it is. Um, I, I, I do see there's a lot of attention being paid to it. Um, but I, what I see is that it's something that um, is more, more considered to be fringy, I think, by the mainstream than, than some of the other ones we've just talked about that are much more popular. Uh, that's my impression anyway. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it would seem that there are different classes or social structures that, that, that seem to lean towards one conspiracy more than the other. Definitely. Yeah, yeah that, that's absolutely true. And, you know, we had this, we had this news um, 
about a year, year and a half ago with the, the Pentagon's UFO program. All right. You know, they released this uh, this footage Tic-tac. taken from a fighter plane, yeah. and they're saying this is a UFO. And of mm-hmm. course, every pilot in the world looked at this footage and just did this incredible face palm. We saying, "Are you kidding me? Did they not ask anyone who knows what they're looking at when you look through a, <laughs> through a, an infrared screen?" Um, but the people on the street don't know that, and if the video does look weird if you don't know what you're looking at, yeah. and so. You know, it, it, it's something that's an easy sell, especially when you've got something like uh, like video to to persuade people with. And you've got a credulous news media that is after the sensational story Ooh, and they're happy to promote it. I, I don't know if the New York Times is credulous any longer. <laughs> you know, it, every newspaper consists of people mm-hmm. and you got all kinds of people working at every newspaper. Yeah, and uh, something else with all these newspapers. They all have to make money from the advertising, and advertising is only attained through readership. The more readers you have, the more money you can make on your advertising. Brian, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. And Exonation, if you'd like to get more information on our guest, all you need to do is go to his website at skeptoid.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away and watch out. Not everything in life is a conspiracy. If you want the real answers, just look at the person on the other side of the mirror. We'll be back. Don't go away.